bitch lost. Sports news that top. You know Chris said, who got you taking all the shots? Tell me like who got traded, who did not, and what's the latest? Well, let's debate. Just trust the process. You know we got this in-depth analysis. Who's the bad? Yes, right here behind the line. No foul, there's no crime. Like and one, go for two, three, pull and drop to the hoop. We cover it all inside the park. The newest stud up from the bar. It's deeper stars. DTB, you're tuned into the best you'll see. Welcome to the Deepish Thoughts Podcast, Overtime Number 5. I'm Chris Horwadell, joined by Mitch Krumpetich. Mitch is one of the hosts of a new show that we're bringing to the network that we're incredibly excited about, Sonny and Phoenix, a Phoenix Suns podcast. Mitch, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. When can we expect episodes of the, the Phoenix Suns podcast? Um, we usually come out with episodes on Mondays. That's that's the day we shoot for, so you can start your work week off with uh, – Little Phoenix Suns. <laughs> what could be better? <laughs> uh, so I'm very excited about this. I, I enjoy your show quite a bit, and you know the Suns are in an interesting position. It's kind of a it's kind of a strange team to look at from the outside because it's marred with inconsistencies. You guys went on this three game winning streak not too long ago when you beat three quality teams in the Hornets, the Thunder, and the Celtics. You know you almost beat a very very strong, very hot Wizards team. And then you lose to the Lakers. What's going on with the Suns? Well, I mean, that's a good question. It, inconsistency is a great way to sum it up. There's a lot of times where uh, Suns fans will question, are we really tanking? Yeah. And then we lose to the Lakers and we're like, oh, yeah, okay, of course we're tanking. So, yeah, it's, it is very confusing. Um, and I think what Suns fans have to do, and even just general fans looking at the Suns, you have to look at the big picture, as in the next three to five years. Um, Robert Sarver, our owner, has come out and said 2020 is the year that he expects things to really start happening. So in the meantime, we're just kind of along for the ride, seeing how uh, <laughs> this rebuild number two, three, whatever, is going to shape up to be like. Yeah, can I tell you, from a very selfish perspective, that loss to the Lakers was, was incredibly clutch for me as a 76ers fan. Uh, <laughs> I really want you guys to finish in that number two spot with the Lakers at three, so we have a you know, little bit better shot of knocking the Lakers out of the lottery, because uh, yeah, I'm, as I'm sure you know, the Lakers keep their pick if they're in the lottery this year. If it's right, outside right. the top three goes to my 76ers, we'd have the opportunity to have you know, potentially two top five picks and a very strong draft, very similar to what you guys ended up with last year, although maybe not right. quite as strong a draft. Uh, so that I appreciate that loss, and I do appreciate the Suns' inconsistency in that regard. <laughs> well, anything to hurt the Lakers, we're usually happy with. <laughs> yeah, I, I would I'd definitely much rather be a fan of the Suns than the Lakers at this point. The Lakers team is such a mess. Magic Johnson takes over in – this is I, – I really hope that this is shades of Isaiah Thomas in New York just absolutely <laughs> destroying the team. I know, again, a lot of it comes back to the 76ers with me, but Magic was a very, very big fan of Jaleel Okafor, so I'd love to pawn him off on Magic for whatever we can get at this point. <laughs> but, I, but I'd much, much rather be a fan of the Suns than the Lakers. I want to talk about this roster a little bit because, you know, again – on the outside, that's another thing that maybe doesn't make a little bit of sense to me. 
Why didn't you trade Brandon Knight? What was the reasoning for keeping him through the deadline? Well, you know, it's pretty simple. No one wanted Brandon Knight. He has <laughs> had a terrible season, and he's getting paid too much for what he's doing. Mm. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. it it's simple. Um, he's sitting on the bench right now because that's the best thing we can do to raise his trade value. Um, <laughs> we expect something to happen with him in the off season. So you're really going for a kind of out of sight, out of mind to boost Brandon Knight's value. Basically. Yeah. We want people to forget that he's even on the sun so that they can remember, Oh yeah, this guy had some potential. <laughs> yeah, just that he looks like he's completely lost at this point. I don't think, you know, people, when you're in situations like the Suns have with Knight and with Bledsoe, they seem to make their peace with it for a little while, but when that issue isn't resolved and there are two quote-unquote starting players at one position, I don't disagree that Bledsoe is certainly better than Knight, but you know that, that, that second guy, whoever it is that loses out at the position, tends to fall off a cliff after a certain point. And, I mean, Knight is shooting horrendously this year. I believe he's under 40% from the field. Never been a great oh, yeah. three-point shooter, but I don't think he's even league average this year. It's just, he's a, he's a mess. Right, he is. And, you know, it, it's really disappointing because at the beginning of the season, everyone's doing their predictions, and everyone at Sonny and Phoenix said, Brandon Knight's going to be sixth man of the year. He's <laughs> going to thrive coming off the bench. And, boy, were we wrong. <laughs> Yeah, you kind of hope that he takes something like a Lou Williams role with uh, you know right. with the Lakers and now with uh, with Houston, but it, it seems like he's he's just kind of moping a little bit. If that's how it appears to me, am, am I wrong? I, I don't really know much about the the character of Brandon. Right. Knight. Well, I mean, it's hard to say just because I can't speak for him personally, obviously, sure. but that's kind of the impression that I am getting as well, and. The other day, there was a, a great video of him on the sideline holding a Tupperware container full of gum that everyone was just like kind of picking out of on the bench. And sure. Brandon Knight just looks so defeated. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that kind of sums his season up pretty well. Brandon Knight has been uh, relocated to the role of like water boy for this team. That's un basically. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I want to talk about Devin Booker because you know this is a guy. A couple of you know, I guess in last year's draft we had the opportunity to get the, the Miami Heat's pick, if it were to convey. Or, sorry, this would have, sure, last, that's true. But the year before that, if it were to convey, uh, it was top 10 protected. And that, that was the Devin Booker draft. And Devin Booker was a guy who I really, really was looking at with you know a pick in the, the early teens, should that pick convey. Obviously, Miami just fell apart, ended up picking uh, Justice Winslow as they retained their pick. And Devin Booker fell to your Phoenix Suns. How excited are you guys about Devin Booker right now? We love Devin Booker. He, I mean, so much potential, so much. He's still growing. I think he grew an inch over the offseason. So there's just so much potential. He came into the league. Everyone thought he would just be a spot-up shooter, mm. and he was a great three-point shooter, still is. But he, his game is just evolving so much. He, you know, he can get to the rim. His defense has improved a little bit. Still a long way to go there, but whatever. We'll we'll take the bad with all the good. Mm -hmm. um, he's he's just learning the game so well with his passing and understanding of 
just the game in general and plays when to make the right passes, that kind of thing. And a lot of the veterans on the team, like Tyson Chandler, Jared Dudley, Leandro Barbosa, those guys have taken Booker under their wings and we could not be happier um, with, with that, just having all of the experience around him to really show him what's up. And this might be a bold prediction, but I think next year he can be an all-star. I, I don't honestly think that's that bold a prediction because we sort of find ourselves in an NBA that has a lack of really top-end quality shooting guards for whatever reason. Maybe you know some of right. it is that those guys are playing point guard. Let's not kid ourselves. Uh, the James Hardens and the Russell Westbrooks of the world would have been shooting guards 10 years ago. But, right. but Devin Booker, what you have in this kid at 20 years old, it's hard to remember that he is only 20 years old, going to play the whole year at 20. Man, he's, I think you have an absolutely potential special player there. And people knock his uh, his outside shooting you know, because he did come into the NBA something of a three-point specialist. It's all he was really asked to do on that Kentucky team. And he's, you know, right. 30, 35 last year, 37 this year. But he's 20 years old. He's scoring 20 points a game. You know, he's, I, I think, over three in rebounds and assists. This you this is a potential superstar, and anybody who wants to knock Devin Booker needs to lay off right now because you just don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, very well said. I, I couldn't agree more. What do you think of uh, Eric Bledsoe's future with the Suns? Because, you know, you find yourself with that number, what, two, number three pick in the draft right now. And the top, right. the top two guys in this draft almost certainly going to be point guards, especially with the recent allegations against Josh Jackson. So it's you're going to think it's going to be Fultz and it's going to be Ball. One of them is, again, I think Fultz is kind of in the, the Russell Westbrook, James Harden mold of 10 years ago. He's a shooting guard. But right. but what do you do with Bledsoe? Because you know, you're going to be in an interesting position if you land one of those top two picks. Yeah, Bledsoe is a, a very controversial player mm -hmm. among the Suns fan base. A lot of people love him. I'm one of those people. But um, at the same time, you have to look at everything realistically. He is one of the older players on our team within our core, our young core. He's the oldest of our young core, which he's still not very old. I think he's 27, mm -hmm. but still. Um, and then – we have Tyler Ulis, which uh, throws things off a little bit. Tyler Ulis, second-round pick. No one really expected him to do much this season, but he has shown some flashes of really nice potential and chemistry with Chris, uh, Booker, our, our young guys like that. Um, so if we land a top-two pick, I would not be surprised if we make a draft day trade involving Bledsoe. It would break my heart, but it would make sense. It's looking like we might land that three pick, which from my emotional standpoint, I'm hoping we do because mm -hmm. I like Josh Jackson's game, leaving all the uh, extracurriculars outside. I like his game. Uh, I think he would fit well with what we're trying to do. And that way we could still have Bledsoe on the team. But uh, we'll see. I think it really depends on if we get a top two pick or if we get that three pick. Well, is that the dream? Is Josh Jackson the dream for this team right now? Be, like you said, there is there would almost be a little bit of relief if you didn't land the number one pick in the draft, number two pick in the draft. Yeah, uh, I think so. That's that's kind of what I think. But 
the Sun scouting department is excellent. I've always been happy with the decisions they've made recently, and they will just go with the best player available no matter what position, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. For Bledsoe, it would kind of be like uh, the, the John Wall, Evan Turner, DeMarcus Cousins draft. We sent to Drew Holiday coming off a very, very strong rookie year to the lottery to represent us, and we're down to the last two picks in the draft. The number one pick is unquestionably John Wall. So Drew Holiday sitting there knowing full well that if the number one card comes up, he just got replaced. And, uh, eh, eh, oh, God. Uh, but the, that story ends with us ending up with Evan Turner, so that's kind of sad for me. That's not the direction I wanted to take it. <laughs> but that, that ended up being kind of sad for me. <sighs> I yeah, know. yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying for sure. But um, one interesting thing about this draft is that the Sun scouting department is saying they think it's the best draft since 2003. I agree. I don't know if I want to go that far, but that does make me very excited. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. I think that that Carl Towns draft that got um, very, really hyped up as being an unbelievable draft was overrated. I think that Andrew Wiggins draft with uh, Wiggins, Parker, and Embiid, and uh, you know, God, thank God for a, a navicular bone injury, um, was also a little bit overrated. Andrew Wiggins is just such an empty stats guy. You, you can score 22 points a game all you want, but there's some problem with that Minnesota team. They just, they do not win games and you can right. have, you can have all the young talent in the world. It doesn't matter if you're not playing defense. I know uh, Carl Anthony Towns was in one of the lower rated defensive centers in the, in the NBA. So it is, it's all about finding the right fit. And when we look at Markel Fultz and we look at Lonzo ball, they're two very, very different basketball players. Who do you think would be the better fit for the Suns if you ended up with that number one pick? Well, I think most people would say Ball just because of his passing ability. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are a little uh, upset that Booker's not getting the ball quite enough, which I agree with. But uh, I'm, I want to see them in action in the tournament before I make a final decision. Well, I want to see what Ball can do in the tournament. Well, yeah, bad news because uh, Fultz will not be invited. Right, right, but just Ball yeah. is what I mean because, you know, watching him play against Arizona and lay an egg mm -hmm. I think is interesting. I want to see what he can do on the big stage. Um, I saw Fultz play against Gonzaga, and he had a good game but struggled a little bit. And in my experience, when players have struggled against Gonzaga, it's uh, it's not the best sign in the world. I still sure. think Fultz is going to be a great player, but uh, that that's just in the back of my head when I think about him. Um, but I do, I really want to see what Ball can do on the big stage. Do you have any apprehension about players like Fultz and, and like Ben Simmons the year before who are as talented as they are, but they can't even lead their team into the tournament? Um, a little bit. I mean, you can just see watching Ben Simmons play how talented he is. Mm -hmm. And once you get with an NBA training staff, they can harness that talent and really mold him. It might take a couple years, but, you know, that potential is just there and it's so obvious. Sure. But I think it comes down to attitude and uh, passion. I like to see guys who want to win and mm -hmm. want to lead their teams to the tournament. And, you know, seeing Ben Simmons last year, I'd, I mean, I don't know, again, if he actually didn't care, but it seemed like he didn't care a whole lot about missing the tournament. And that 
I wasn't super impressed with that. No, not at all. So you have a point guard, you have a shooting guard, and a lot of young talent up front. Is uh, is the small forward position, I know you mentioned Josh Jackson being your dream fit. Is the small forward position the one that you're really looking to upgrade immediately? Um, I think it's between small forward. I mean, I like TJ Warren, but I would like to get someone who can defend a little better on the wing. Yeah. Um, but the center position is one that's very up in the air. Alex Len is starting for the rest of the season since Tyson Chandler is just going to sit on the bench and Alex Len can drive the tank better than anyone. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we did not give Len a new contract this season. Um, he, he's kind of had the chance to prove himself and see if he can get one at the end of the season. But uh, so far he hasn't really done that. So uh, I don't know what we're going to do with Len or if Chandler will be on the team next season even. Um, so, yeah, I think the center position is up in the air, but the talent at the top of the draft is, you know, there's not as many uh, highly skilled centers where we'll be picking. Absolutely. And now I want to talk about the other young guys, the other young first-year players in Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender. Chris has obviously mm-hmm. been incredibly exciting when he's good and looks kind of lost when he's not. And, you know, that's fair for a rookie. But yeah. Bender, Bender specifically, obviously very young, very skinny, and you know very injured. What is the plan for him moving forward? Is he a guy who you think could potentially take over that center position with Chris playing power forward? Or you know is he just is it just too early to say because too much has to happen before he's an NBA player? Well, I think I would love to see him playing the five with Chris playing the four. I think that's the dream, but. It's hard to say because he's such a long-term project Mm. and getting injured this season was one of the worst things that could happen to him because he would be getting so much playing time right now. But I think the off season is just going to be huge for him Um, this year. After this off season, I think we're going to get a better idea of what he's going to be. He's a great perimeter defender. Um, That's probably his best ability right now. And uh, I don't know if we want him, you know, defending the five as much just because he lacks that strength right now. So he's got a very interesting skill set for his size. It'll be interesting to see what he ends up being. What is the the feeling about, I guess, the confidence level that he's going to turn into something at this point? Because I know he got injured after 30, 35 games or so, but he he did look absolutely lost when he was playing. Yeah, he did. Um, But I think within the organization, they have a lot of hope. And, uh, you know, Sarver has said he he is one of the guys that we look at as a potential all-star. And I would love if that happened, obviously, but I I don't want to go that far. We know that he's a huge project. I think that's what most fans are aware of, just project. If he doesn't work out, it's okay, because we got Chris in that draft. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a it was an interesting and kind of ballsy move to make that trade for uh, for Chris as well after already taking taking Bender and I guess it goes to speak to what they thought of uh, of him in terms of his developmental stage. So it's going to be interesting, but I, I worry that Bender is uh, to quote Bill Simmons that guy who's two years away from being two years away. Right, right, and I mean I think that is just the general worry. Um, 
we've we've kind of had a similar experience with um, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Mm. Uh, when's he gonna come over? Yeah. Like, oh, he looks really good in Europe. Oh, he's hitting these buzzer beaters. He looks like he's ready. Oh, he's not coming over this year. You know. So I know a lot of fans were kind of excited when uh, when we were able to include him in that trade to the Kings to get Chris. Um, I, so I'm just happy that Bender is even here right now. Sure, sure, that's absolutely fair. And anytime you make a trade with the Sacramento Kings, it's going to be a good trade by default. <laughs> absolutely, that is potentially the worst run organization in all of professional sports. Um, and you have to feel good about having them in your division because they are not going to be good anytime soon. Let's, you know, there's that weird phenomena when a team trades away a top player where that next game, everybody kind of comes out ready to play and plays above their heads. And that happened in Sacramento when they traded cousins, they won that first game right afterwards. And, you know, as a, as a 76ers fan with the opportunity to swap picks with the Kings this year, that kind of, you know, gave me pause. It was a little... A little pain in the pit of my stomach, but they've responded for by doing exactly what you expected them to do. After that, losing seven in a row, this organization has no direction moving forward. They, you know, Vivek Randave thinks Buddy Heald is the next. I've heard Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. So, you know, <laughs> oh my God, you have to feel great about having the Kings in your division. Yeah. Oh, we definitely do. And I loved Vladi Divac as a player, mm-hmm. but. As as a working in a front office, I probably love him even more yeah. as a Suns fan. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Made one of the greatest trades that uh, the Sixers have ever made was dealing with dealing with Vlade trading the rights to two second round international players for uh, Nick Stauskas, the contracts of Carl Landry and uh, Jason Thompson, as well as swap rights in 2016, 2017, and the Kings unprotected 2019 first round pick. <laughs> Like that's that the, yeah. NBA, the NBA should have stepped in and said no, no, you should not be general manager, no, and you <laughs> you absolutely cannot hire Peja Stojakovic to be your number two. No. Yeah, they they should have made a, a little note in the new CBA about that, <laughs> but I guess it's too late. <laughs> uh, what do you think about the Lakers? Because you know this is another team that's kind of in a weird position right now. A lot of young talent. And they just hired Rob Palinka to be their new general manager, which is you know a strange mm-hmm. hire, but no more so than the Magic Johnson bus situation. Are you concerned mm-hmm. about them evolving into a team that's going to be a contender anytime soon, or are you just happy where they are? And you know, the D'Angelo Russell can, as you said, drive that tank train for the next couple of years. Well, I think the Lakers are actually in a similar position to us, um, excluding the front office. And there have been some excellent years of Suns-Lakers rivalry mm-hmm. that I just want back desperately. I don't want to say I want the Lakers to be good, but I want that rivalry to be back. And I like a lot of the pieces they have. You know, I think Brandon Ingram, uh, went, in a couple of years, once he gains a little bit of strength and little bit more understanding of the game. I think he's going to be great. I think D'Angelo Russell has a ton of talent. Larry Nance Jr. I think is amazing. Um, you know, of course, because his dad played for the Suns and all of that. Sure, but sure, sure. Um, I, I just want that rivalry back. Yeah, and then when, oh God, what was it? The 2015 NBA draft when the Lakers picked the two and everyone expected them to take Okafor 
and they took D'Angelo mm-hmm. Russell in front of us, I let out a string of curse words. But now, <laughs> I, I honestly, I'm not that upset about it because you know the guy out, the guy we missed out on was Porzingis, and that's fine because mm-hmm. that wasn't an option. But Russell just right. he looks like a selfish chucker. He should not be a point guard. Yeah, I, I think that's what a lot of people are saying. But again, it's hard to judge when these teams are tanking intentionally. Yeah, like, were the Lakers it, tanking some... intentionally, though? Well, I guess that's the same question that Suns fans can ask. <laughs> I remember during a game earlier this season, Luke Walton made a really condescending comment about uh, not wanting to be a team that's going to be in the lottery and not expecting to be a team that's going to be in the lottery. And, you know, it was kind of a shot at what the 76ers were doing. And they're mm-hmm. they're worse than us. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I guess I don't know. It is it is hard to say. It's, it's hard to read into the minds of these uh, GMs and owners and everything. But, you know, they all think they have the answers mm-hmm. and uh, – we all think we have the answers too, and Absolutely. truly, I don't know if anyone does. <laughs> Absolutely, it's uh, it's kind of just a, a dumb luck situation in a lot of cases. Right. Let's talk. Yeah, it real, really is. Real quick about this off season. You know, you said there's a potential for an Eric Bledsoe trade if you land one of those top couple of picks. What's the Suns cap situation this off season? Do you expect them to be aggressive in free agency? I really don't. Um, Sarver has come out and said that we are not interested in signing veteran free agents. Mm. Um, and then again, it's just hard to say what's going to happen with Bledsoe before we know what spot we're picking in. Yeah. Or, I mean, he might just stay on the team and kind of help ball or Fultz along in the first season or so. Um, I really don't expect many moves. Um, our cap situation also depends on Tyson Chandler. Yeah. He eats up a piece of that, and who knows what's going to happen with him. I would love to see him stay on the team just for veteran mentorship and leadership, but who knows? You mentioned – this is the last thing we're going to talk about here. You mentioned Larry Nance Sr., obviously one of, mm-hmm. one of the all-time iconic dunks at the NBA Slam Dunk Contest with the, uh, the two-basketball dunk. Was yes. was Derek Jones as equally disappointing as Larry Nance was impressive in his dunk contest? <laughs> I don't know if I would go that far, oh. but uh, I I was not happy with the dunk contest. No. I was happy that Jones Jr. was in it, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, no, me me too. Derek Jones is you know I'm someone who is from well I'm from California, but. I spent the large majority of my life in just, you know, 15 miles outside of Philadelphia and Derek Jones lived and grew up in the town next to me. So this is a guy who I've, I've been familiar with for a very long time, who I didn't like for a couple of years because he spurned the, the Villanova Wildcats to go to UNLV. But but that's mm-hmm. all right. And, uh, you know, his his dunking prowess has been something that's nearly mythical. For you know, for the last five six years of my life, I've been familiar that this is this is one of the best dunkers on the planet. And you watch his highlight tapes, and you watch him win these random dunk contests. And man, my expectations were sky high for Jones, and I was thrilled right. that he got the opportunity to be in it, uh, despite uh, limited NBA experience. Let's put it like that. But right. um, I don't know. What do you what do you think it was? Was it 
were the lights too bright for him? Was it just a little bit too big a situation for him coming out of the D League? Or uh, I mean, that's what I think. That's I I think it's just he played in the D League for most of the season and then got thrown into the dunk contest. I would be nervous too. (laughs) Yeah, you're you're used to playing in front of five thousand fans, and then all of a sudden, the best players in the NBA are sitting courtside watching you. Right. Yeah, it's it's got to be nerve-wracking. But I will say his in-game dunks are extremely impressive. Mm-hmm. And I love just for a few possessions in a row watching Derek Jones Jr. and no one else. Mm-hmm. He is always ready to dunk. As soon as the shot goes up, he is just like ready to launch into the air and slam the yeah, missed yeah. shot back. Or what, He's like always ready. It's so great to see. Are there any expectations for him to actually grow into a basketball player? Because, you know, he's he's probably a 6'7", 200-pound power forward right now. Right. I mean, <laughs> we've kind of been talking about this lately um, at Sonny in Phoenix, mm-hmm. and uh, we would love for him to be a bench rotation kind of guy, spark plug, similar to uh, Gerald Green. Mm-hmm. Maybe not that much potential i don't know i guess gerald gerald green is his ceiling and if he could develop into that that would be awesome but for now we'll take his one or two dunks a game as a uh something entertaining to watch during a bad season well fair enough so sunny and phoenix will be joining the the deepish Dolls podcast network in the the next couple of weeks you guys will, will you be ready this week or will the first show be coming up in you know nine days from now I think next week will be our first episode on the network, but uh, we're we're so excited to join and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so this was the Deepish Lost podcast over time number five. Chris Hordell joined by Sony and Phoenix's Mitch Krompetich. We'll see you back here next Wednesday.